Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast, and we're back talking food plots with the doctor. He's not a doctor, but I'm going to call him Dr. Nick Percy. Uh, Owner, janitor, bus driver, tractor operator. I mean, you wear so many hats. We talked about that in the last podcast. Financial investor. Financial investor, financial advisor. Forrester. Uh, also, you're also <laughs> the person who puts them, who's uh, an investor. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you're so many things. Uh, we're, but specifically on this podcast, I want to break down what we did here. And Nick, um, Garrett Drax sitting across the table. Maybe let's establish where here is. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, Nick, tell us where we're at, um, and and let's let's lead right into what we've been doing the past couple of days. Okay. Well, we've been spending the last few days here in Meeker, Colorado. Uh, beautiful area, super awesome people, and uh, beautiful, beautiful country. It so is. what we've been working on is establishing um, on a particular piece of property of a mutual uh, friend of yours yeah quentin smith yep he he has uh allowed us some uh some square footage in his amazing properties here to be able to establish some killer food plots that we can um from start to finish start the soil building process preparing turning the ground over uh, building the soil which we did and get our specific varieties in the ground and then be able to monitor the growth, be able to monitor the utilization by the wildlife, and then to be able to create kind of a, a very special hunting opportunity for um, one of the guys that, uh, you know, has served our country. and paid, Well, not just quite. one, probably more, because yeah. they've got that whole crew coming in later yeah. in September, and hopefully it's going to provide multiple opportunities. Yeah. Q is actually getting married. So we're sitting in his house. He's gone to start doing his marriage, you know, getting everything ready and, and the wedding and all that stuff. And so what we had him do, let's let's preface this. We're we're uh, we have a, a couple of food plots that we had Q come in. And this is not where we're at. I'm trying to paint the picture. This is um, oak brush, primarily sagebrush some grass that flows down into an established alfalfa wildlife blend that the CPW um, had planted. And it's probably two miles, would you say it's two miles long? I mean, it's an amazing, um, amazing food plot in and of itself. But what we're trying to do is create little areas were staging areas i think that's a good way to put them yep staging kill kill plot areas where you know the problem with that big expanse of two miles is the animals can pop in and out wherever they want at this point and so we're trying to bring them into a more isolated secure area and we're looking at a ridge that's probably how how tall do you think that's 800 a thousand foot elevation change to the top of that ridge somewhere in there yeah and that runs the length of, of the property coming down, and there's a lot of good bedding area there, okay? And then what, what we've seen in the past years is we'd actually get a little ways away with a spotting scope or, or binoculars, and we'd watch these elk at first light would be leaving this area, this alfalfa, this, this mix. Wouldn't you consider that a destination 
Yes, that would be a destination okay. area where so, it's difficult to hunt. You don't really want to hunt that. I mean, a destination food plot for whitetails, I don't hunt it or hunt it only in late, late season, like muzzleloader or late last opportunity. Right. Because I want those deer to always feel safe. If I bump them, the neighbor bumps them, a predator, we want them to go to the core of your property and stay there. And that's the point of the destination plot, right. that secure right. sanctuary, Trev, regardless of the property. Has told us that before in the past in this specific properties, right? Like that's kind of a, an area you, you want to stay away from because it draws so many animals to right. it. And we don't want to, yeah, and you definitely, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, keep, we're trying to hunt these elk and mule deer effectively but there's a, a public private other places we want to keep them on us so um, and the other thing about a food plot is it's not necessarily just to hunt it might be a snack kill plot where you can sit in a blind or a tree stand and hunt those but a lot of times it's hunting the transitional zones right. between bedding right. and right. staging to a destination plot as they pass right. through and you're cutting those deer um, or elk off on their way to and right. from food sources. Right. And so it allows, depending on when you get to a property, what the conditions are, your accessibility, where the animals are at the time you arrive, will determine whether you hunt the food plot or you hunt on either right. side of that right. food source right. yeah. to and increase your success. This, this case, uh, w what we needed to happen before we even got here was... <laughs> We needed. Hey, you're going to get married. Yeah, Can you're you going to get married. Food plots? Could you? We need you to mow uh, the sagebrush slash prairie grass. That this has not been worked. The area we're putting, uh, one the biggest, uh, about two and a half acres, mm -hmm. is by a pond. The pond has been a huge drop. But the fact of the matter is, on the other side of what we now have established as the destination food plot, there's a creek. So they have water, but what the elk do, because it's closer to a road, they wait till dark. They come down, they water, and then they feed. Okay, we're trying to create, so when they come down, we know where they're coming down. A safe place, there's a pond there, there's this now two and a half acres. So what Q did is he, in his generosity, he found a way to get that mowed, did a great job, and then about a mile and a half down the ridge there's another draw that uh, he mowed off and uh, again using it for that transitional period and basically that staging area he sprayed it we sprayed it he mowed it yeah so he did everything we asked so when we get here and we pull up what did, what was your first thoughts on looking at that country looking at that grand looking at that scraggly sagebrush uh, uh, whatever's left root slash trunk sticking out of the ground. What were you thinking? I was thinking, man, I wish I had my equipment. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you me. flew in. You yeah. flew into Denver. We picked yeah. you up because just for you to bring your equipment out here, um, we're talking exponentially um, expensive. Time. Yeah. yeah, time. Yeah. So you're driving uh, 24 hours to get here, 24 hours home haul in the trailer yeah. Haul, yeah so what we decide is hey let's tr well then it came time we thought we were gonna have a tractor here well just so you listeners know in colorado we've had an interesting spring and early summer it has been one that i i don't know that it really got hot till about two and a half three weeks ago you guys had snow like we not had that snow long ago in, in fourth of july right yeah up, up in the high, high in yeah. the high country right 
so like we 16 inches of snow or some crazy we, thing well <laughs> normally into june you're you're able to get in the high country go camping you couldn't give above ten thousand feet till maybe two weeks ago mm -hmm. okay so what that did is that put all the farmers back it put you know for their hay everybody's way behind so i when we found out we didn't have a tractor because q needed the tractor in his wyoming property up there to cut uh, and do all the things he needed to do we we tried to rent one well it anyway it turned Everybody into available tractors on a field helping yeah them to harvest so we had to get creative mm -hmm. and we found what do they call it a food plotter i think it is what they call it um i don't know land pride land food pride plotter. food plotter which if you can imagine google if you if you want to check it out you can you can find out what it looks like it's simple it runs off and it, it's pulled by an atv and the one we had had two arms that basically two, gang, two sets of gangs two huh? sets of gangs that we could offset it's only as wide as the atv so it's not that much breadth as far as, as a four-wheel quad width yeah it's yeah. not even as wide as your ranger right and uh then it has actually a pretty decent little spreader and then it has this boom that like this boom thing there with this heavy roller type which R you roller know, head on it that i flips could over. imagine in like kansas some of our smaller where we got a half acre here and stuff like that yeah. that might not, not be a little uh be pretty cool where the ground's already been worked and well this is virgin ground yeah. so we pull up there q had brought us quite an interesting contraption down that we could use that we were going to end up hooking up to the pickup and hauling behind a pickup i think it was in built in the 1920s yeah it's pretty old it was it was a john deere gang disc with a swivel uh pocket that yeah. the two back gangs swiveled around so it was nice because it you know helped you make the turns and didn't you know destroy or or put a lot of uh you know i torque. guess resistance and yeah. torque um but you know it didn't weigh enough to really cut well, into this virgin when ground we, when we got to q's house there's two bolts with a with a, a note <laughs> saying hey you're going to need these two bolts and of course by the time we got out there took the two bolts they were too big for the holes anyway right so and we, we found three spots that needed yeah bolts you know. we ended up going through all my <laughs> odds and ends in my rusty toolbox to try and find bolts just to stick in there yeah we spent a few 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 trips to the hardware store yeah. it's kind of like any home improvement project right, you spend exactly. more time getting ready than the actual so process. we tried <laughs> to begin with we tried just to drag it and it basically didn't do anything. It basically just skipped. Well, it, it was bouncing around on either the dead or uh, still semi-living sagebrush. Pockets. Pockets. Yeah, yeah, and little stumps that were, you'd do okay on the grass, and then you'd hit this. So we thought, what are we going to do here? So we, uh, and of course, the Land Pride Plot Master 2000 or whatever we had, <laughs> didn't do it didn't even it scratch. did even less yeah because it was lighter <laughs> yeah so we ended up garrett and i jumped in the ranger and this is after basically a full day of trying to figure out how are we going to even turn this ground mm -hmm. we had to turn well, we came up with a little saying we had to turn the green brown yep meaning we had to get these grass out of there. and again 
think keep in mind that Q had already sprayed this to kill it all, mm -hmm. but it's still there. It's still uh, that material is still that. Well, the root, the roots are still there. I mean, you killed the things to the root, and it was going to die, or it was in its process of dying, or it was dead. But you still have to turn that ground to break up those root right. balls and prepare that seed bed. Luckily, there is a flagstone quarry on this property, <laughs> and so Garrett and I jumped in the ranger went over there and we picked what we thought would fit in the little boxes on top right mm -hmm. and you know they make those boxes basically for cinder blocks right you know that cinder blocks fit right in there mm -hmm. so we're getting these 50 to 75 pound rocks okay talk about redneck engineering <laughs> imagine if you will we show back up and we still then, all have our fingers by the way right, yeah, nobody got pinched barely barely <laughs> um, close calls but we end up coming back and we on the uh, on the old John Deere gang disc. Gang disc. What are we calling that? What are we gonna call that one? That's gang disc. The John Deere gang disc mm -hmm. from two thousand uh, from nineteen twenty. Um, we were able to get four good size blocks, rocks, whatever you want to call. Well, how are we gonna keep those on? Right? It's rough. Rougher in a cob, so <laughs> we start. We get in the back of my pickup with all my, all which my, is a Chevy Silverado 2500 HD. Right, and we're gonna pull it with my pickup, which rides like a cinder block right. when you're on bumpy ground. Well, when you're not going, as bad as my Dodge 3500. When you're going 75 miles an hour in the field too, that's no whatever. Thing. So we end up uh, with ratchet straps, these big blocks, right? How many? How many ratchet straps did we just tear the tar out of? I, I mean, know. we broke eight. Eight. I think eight of them. So we put two sets of those blocks on the on the land pride. That um, one stayed intact. We didn't. We that did one not did. break yeah, that. But I was driving because you were driving. I was driving. I wasn't going. Those that know me, I like speed. I wasn't going Mach twenty. <laughs> um, and so we put four on um, on the the John Deere. And uh, above each set of gangs, above each, yeah, and strapped them on. Strapped them on. With, oh, by the way, some extremely inferior ratchet straps. Yeah, um, I didn't ever I say I had great ratchet <laughs> straps. I just had some. So eventually, we, he. By the way, eventually he gave up the two and a half inch wide heavy duty version. But yeah, it was, but they were like forty we, foot long. These they're very reluctantly because they're like thirty five bucks a piece. You yeah. Know, yeah after I, watching me destroy the other ones, but so we 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 strapped these on, and they would what we would end up doing is you would get two or three good turns, and we'd stop because there'd be a block <laughs> laying in there, and there'd be a, a ratchet strap in four different parts. And we spent most of yesterday fixing because we broke, I don't know, I mean, the, we'll talk about that in, in a bit. The, we actually had a little funeral for the old John Deere. But, um, <laughs> but we, we're breaking, we're putting bolts in, we're, 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 we felt like farmers. Yeah. The moral of the story is you buy the right tool for the job, it goes a lot smoother, right? Yeah. right? So, right. you know. When we you need turned, a 916 wrench, you buy a 916 wrench. Yeah. You don't get channel locks because right. pretty soon you have. Yeah. Yeah, you have round 916. They're circular. Right, and busted knuckles. So, so what's, the, what's the right? 
tool for this job. Uh, it's obviously not a one 1920 of them John, John Deere. One of them <laughs> 2019 John Deere's with the four tires, you know, the big. Well, let's not forget. So, so we show up and we look at this ground and you asked me what my thoughts were. And my thoughts were we do not have the right tools. I wish I had my tools here. But above that, there were enough roots and stumps and things that honestly it should have been uh should have had a root rake in there to rip that stuff out and break it out of there um you know should have had an excavator yeah right an excavator with a with a root rake on it to at least get that prepped and um you know we we didn't have the time didn't have the resources um you know we're trying to get this done we all have busy life so we show up and once again it's you know the crazy adventures we say as whenever you and I get together, we're always, it's it, always an adventure and we're usually breaking something, but right. at least we're all in one piece. We're, so. And we're consistent. <laughs> we didn't go to the emergency room. No, yeah, we are yeah, consistent. Yeah. So, you know, that's really what should have been done. Um, but we, we improvised. We put the large pieces of flagstone, we strapped them on there, broke the straps. We repeated. One thing we are is uh, diligent in seeing a project through. And, and resourceful. Yeah, very resourceful. Because um, I even brought the drag. Yeah. From my because I, I built my daughter a softball field and I had this drag that I built and it's heavy and it's got these. I just basically put two two, two by tens on the back of this huge, heavy metal two and a half inch angle iron frame frame with yeah. like 503 inch spikes. Right. And I nailed, and I through it. nailed all these spikes mm -hmm. through it and it works great on yeah. a softball field. Right. To just really get that three four inches of crust and turn it over and then I finish it with a drag a lighter drag so I brought that because we thought okay hey maybe we could use that to rip the balls of these roots out oh no it didn't even scratch the dang surface so then we tried that for a little while and we're like okay this ain't gonna work so we had to go back to the disc that's when we started putting the weight on yep. but we got what we found is the more we took it and of course I'm in the ranger with the little uh, you know, land pride, land pride 2.0. Um, and I don't know if I was doing anything other than just feeling like I was doing something because you were actually you look good doing yeah, well, it. Though. I appreciate that. I looked, I <laughs> was pretty, up I dust. was pretty dusty. <laughs> so, so we're till nine o'clock last night going in circles, going in circles, turning this over, turning this over, turning this over. And at one point I think I looked and I said, this, this might freaking work. Mm -hmm. This might work. And we still do have some sage roots in there and stuff, but we got rid of a lot of the grass, a lot of the grass roots and some of that stuff. And we even brought up some of those, uh, some of those big sage root balls. Yeah. And then and that allowed your drag to be able to drag that and smooth that out. And, and then we came in this morning, talk, talk about where we, so now we have a new canvas. We have, it's much more brown. We've got a lot of dirt there. And the whole plan when we came out this morning was to really plant. Mm -hmm. So let's talk through that process. Even though the, the getting there was a lot harder than it could have been or should have been. How many, but, does, how many passes do you think you guys made? Oh. Well, what, with, a, with my Land Pride rototiller without stumps to deal with, maybe some roots, um, you're talking in a two and a half acre pass um single pass with my reverse tilt tiller we easily i actually was counting how many times it took me to break that ground 
and easily 20 passes before we really started to break through that first right quarter of that two and a half acres we went up and down up and down and i figured i figured out as you speak about my speed um that it was when i was going uphill the i went a little bit faster and i actually was biting in better but when i was coming back down the hill speed was not my friend and that's when the rocks were falling off because i getting the teeter-totter going um but i needed to go a little bit slower and what that was doing was again breaking up some of the smaller roots and when i was going on the slower pace but on the way up as i was going i was actually digging in and creating um or getting into the dirt and being able to turn that ground over Um, but yeah it took far longer than it needed to um to get there but we saw success and that gave us more energy and more energy to keep going and keep going um this morning uh we actually had a brief shower which I think we were all hopeful. Well, I, had a, sh- I had a shower last night because yeah. I was so filthy. Yeah. But go well, ahead. We all had, that, had to take a shower last night. But we had a, a sprinkle this morning. Unfortunately, it barely knocked the dust down in our food plot. But um, the, the task at hand was to start to build the soil today. And so we applied um, with a uh, haphazard um, spreader that brand new that we bought. Um, we are going back to Tractor Supply. <laughs> so Tractor Supply, if you're listening to this, for a two, that spreader that says 200 pounds, it's not even a 100-pound spreader. Right. The tubes are not strong enough. They're very yeah. thin wall and hollow, and as soon as they bounce a little bit, they're done. Right. So we um, we started, Trevin started to apply the Groganics Fusion Fertilizer, which is a, uh, uh, a fertilizer I developed 14 years ago to again fix the problem there's not the right thing available uh, to be able to grow what we're trying to grow in abundance and the tonnage we're trying to grow so we developed groganics it's a soil building soil amending fertilizer replaces your standard triple 12 17 triple 19 whatever it is your favorite fertilizer which you can buy down the street um, but produces you know excess of 40 to 50 percent more tonnage over synthetic fertilizer and so we started you started to apply that and as you went along the you know we had failure in the spreader and pretty soon i was riding along the back on top of the on top of the wagon pushing pushing the the bucket or, the, or the, keeping the bucket straight, straight up and up down so that it would actually spin it out yeah. because it wanted to fall forward because right. it just wasn't strong enough yeah because the tube was yeah. the tube had failed but Frickin so we we finished getting out errors. the appropriate amount of groganics to build the soil mm-hmm. um then i went and i applied the retain and our retain is another product that mother nature bless her heart this year with a whole lot of rain that's a great thing but it's also a problem when it's too much and in a lot of cases we have rain for a certain period of time in the spring or we have snow melt and then it just goes away and it you know evaporates she shuts the spigot off on us and i, th- I swear she laughs if she walks away every year and leaves us with a drought situation and with those of us that only plant fall food plots we've got no moisture by the time we're trying to plant in august and so we, i developed a product called retain which is a, a organic 100 percent organic product that absorbs moisture and nutrients in the soil 
when, when they're available, it holds on to them and keeps them suspended in the root zone. And as it does, each one of those pellets that starts the size of a turnip seed swells to be the size of like a jumbo marble with the sides kind of jaggedly cut off. And that also breaks up compaction as it's swelling. It's right. constantly moving the soil around, which is awesome. Um, because oxygen. That cre- yeah, it creates, a, it creates uh, oxygen. Um, it breaks the soil up. Yeah, compaction is a huge problem mm-hmm. and not having enough oxygen um, in the soil, especially in like clay type soils, uh, rocky, real open uh, soils that maybe have the oxygen flow, but they can't hold moisture and nutrients and everything just leaches through. Like in, we're from Michigan, we call it the dirty sand capital of the world. Uh, there in Michigan, everything leaches through and we get a couple heavy rains and all the nutrients are just flushed right out. So what the retain does, it grabs and holds on to those resources and those nutrients and your cash, because you're spending money to put that in the ground. It's a tool that helps you have greater success. But it's so, not a one year no, item either. It's a three year product. The thing. Yeah, we really worked hard to. To, to get that longevity and get the cost price point it averages about $40 per acre as an extra insurance plan to make sure you have moisture and you have nutrients available why what made you think of creating that I mean I, I know Failure. I know the, the, yeah sure 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 <laughs> but the concept is brilliant but the idea to be able to put something in that swells and and holds water when you have it mm-hmm and then disperses it when you don't have it. And at the same time, you get the benefit of that movement, which again, we talked about that. Uh, I mean, how did you? How it did took you five up? years to get there. I'll tell you to get to the point where we actually. Does started. anybody have anything like that in the not, market? N- not that lasts for the time frame. It doesn't break down quickly. There's different things in the, you know, I guess in the um, potting soil world or whatever, but they're very short term. Um, they don't last. And they are way too expensive per pound to think about putting them on a one acre food plot. Right, right. You know, you're going to be spending hundreds of dollars um, per acre and you know probably hundreds and hundreds of dollars at the price point they had on some of the things. And they didn't last. They were a very short few months kind of product and they broke down. And by the way, they were a polymer. They were plastic. They were not organic. So uh. it was important to me that we were trying to address all of those areas. I tried to... Um, you know, like when I raised whitetails, you know, I was talking about growing big deer. I did it by starting to understand how their body works. What did they need? Making sure I was giving them same thing with building the soil. What is mother nature needing? What does that soil need to, to effectively be ready to supply the nutrients and as efficiently as possible to those newly developing roots of those plants or those, the, the seedlings that are, that are germinating to be able to help them establish a good solid root structure to block out the grass and weeds that are wanting that same footprint and to be able to grow the tonnage of available food and, and to have it turn out in, in its form that it's intended to be for your wildlife. So when you applied Retain, how did, uh, explain to people how, how you put that on. So I put it on with a, with a hand seeder today, um, a bag seeder. I, um, we sell it in a 12-pound half-acre bag. In this case, we had two and a half acres. So I literally walked it and I broadcast Just it. Just like you would seed. Just like I would seed. I broadcast that. You used the pull behind uh, for the fertilizer. Could we it, have mixed it with that? Um, I don't mix them. I put them out individually because of the size of oh, the actual gotcha. granular. Because you have it's to. It's so right. small. It's the size of a turnip seed. So, if, you know, those that have done food plots and understand, a lot of times we OD on our turnip seed. We put too much down because we always want to see it. 
the cool thing about retain is it's white so that when it hits the ground you see it on the dirt and you know that you you're feel getting, like you're getting good application right because if you just want to see it coming out of the cedar it's a little bit difficult to see it at the rate that it should be applied so we got that down the groganics was in place um, then we had to work it into the soil and normally i would put the um, half of the groganics and the retain down prior to rototilling or to disking the food plot Yesterday, we weren't sure how far we were going to get or whatever, if we were going to have success on this trip or have to reschedule. Um, so I didn't put it down initially. Uh, once we started having that success, we went ahead and finished turning the soil. So now we needed to get the retain. Retain, um, definitely you want to work it into the top few inches of the, of the soil. What it does when it swells, it looks like, uh, like almost like gel. And essentially, it's like an ice cube where it's holding the moisture and nutrients is just as wet on the outside as it is all the way to the core, just like an ice cube. It doesn't resist or doesn't uh, restrict availability of the moisture and nutrients to the plant when they need it. It just evenly disperses it in the soil around, around the pellet. And so in order to effective, make it effective, you need to work it into the soil. So then we used your drag. softball drag. Uh, field drag mm -hmm. that you had created, which worked out great um, and went around. Because and we didn't have all the, uh, the, the, the mass of grass and stuff right. on, the, on the top. We'd actually turned it into dirt. So I could literally use those big nails that I'd put in there mm -hmm. and the weight of it and drag it and get that, that turning of the soil again yep. although we weren't cutting deep we were just doing that top yeah layer. we were putting in three four inches deep right, i would right. i would assume um so we got that all worked in then what we did is we went and and started to apply our seed and in this case we we know we've had great success with deep woods mm -hmm. which uh, deep woods has some cereal grains uh, our kfp winter wheat um, our winter rye which are highly digestible variety and produce a lot of tonnage um, we have our kfp radishes um, kfp rape and then our crimson white clover and so that variety can grow which is it's one of it's our number one selling fall seed blend nationwide because it can grow from full sun all the way down to two hours of sun mm. and depending on if you have a shadier part of your plot in a full sun area you plant the whole thing in that is very uniform growth um, it also doesn't need perfect soil conditions so if you're in the process of building your, your pH yeah. and, and building the organic matter and your nutrient um, retention of your soil, deep woods is a great choice because it provides everything your deer and or elk need um, through that critical time of the month or time of the year in the fall and winter months. So we, we did that on a little more of a incline or a, an intense slope area. Um, reason we did that is because a lot of the moisture is going to drain away from right. that slope right. and deep woods has proven itself to grow and with little to no moisture after planting um, from rainfall or, or anything so we started um, that area in deep woods the middle section which is down the slope a little bit to where we started to level out we used our staple carnage brassicas and we talked about that as two different kfp species of turnips two different types of rape our KFP radishes, and then we use kale for the additional protein in that. And that went into the middle section of the food plot, which is, you know, straight down, by the way, from the blind up on the ridge. Mm -hmm. um, and we did that for the core. And then we had a slight incline that dished up um, on the opposite side from the deep woods. And we did our white rage, which is our 
50% radishes and 50% our KFP extra sweet right. sugar beets. Now, we haven't planted that one out here before, but I'm confident that it's going to get a similar response, if not greater, than we've seen in those other two varieties. And it definitely produces the most tonnage of any one of our seed varieties. I didn't think anything could out, ever outdo carnage, which produces about eight tons an acre when planted properly at the right time of the year. White Rage can produce in excess of 10 tons an acre. That's a lot of groceries. Right. So <clears throat> um, yeah, it'll be exciting. And then the food plot further down the ridge, uh, we focused that into deep woods and carnage, uh, which was the smaller plot that that Q had sprayed and, and killed off. That's our that's our redheaded stepchild right now because we didn't. Uh, uh, let's finish the story here. Uh, <laughs> when we finished turning the soil, we were pretty finished. You might have made a few more rounds. Well, old the old John Deere gave out. She decided she was going to come apart. Yeah, yeah. And so. Parts and pieces were holding hands single file instead of side by side right. <laughs> like yeah. they were supposed to be. We kind of had a long, drawn-out tail of metal shrapnel yeah. that we dragged down the hill and retired yeah. next to the loader that I, have, uh, I haven't. I haven't. <clears throat> that Trevin drove and had a little. Uh, <laughs> I haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't talked. To Q. I haven't <laughs> talked to Q about that yet. Well, man, that still needs to be done. Um, but the, the the key thing was. We persevered. We got the seed in, but then we didn't stop there. Um, we did something we've never done before. Explain a little bit about what we did with the sprayer. And, of course, then we finished up with normally with the roller. But to talk a little bit about uh, I, I brought along my sprayer, which I use for Roundup and different stuff mm -hmm. like that, um, you know, when I'm killing quite a bit of weeds or, you know, whatever. Grass and weeds and yeah. such. So, um in this evolution of soil building, which I'm constantly, you know, trying to improve and trying to help um, people to have success, myself included, because I'm managing properties and my teams are planting food plots. Um, we developed a product called the, that we've named Soil Defender. And part of the issue with the soil and the soil health is the microbes and the bacteria in the soils and getting healthy bacteria and healthy microbial activity going on in that soil so that the nutrient uptake is if, is efficient um is the plant that what, is efficient in taking is that up what, nutrients what helps to break down the organic material in the soil is those microbes or well you don't want the organic material broken down you want organic matter what happens is as you're breaking down the soil um you break down organic matter every time you turn that soil and so this will be a different a different uh, podcast uh, for a different day. Yeah, okay. a different day. But, but um, very important to get that soil from a dormant or dead state, essentially, because your bacteria are dormant, to bring them, wake them up, bring them to life, and get that soil a working, living soil that can help in the efficiency and the delivery of these nutrients we're putting in to up through the plant root and into the plant. Um, stronger roots system helps to block out grass and weeds. So this isn't, this, a, you wouldn't call this a fertilizer? No, it, it has it has NPK, it has a, a natural 777, so it can be applied, but it can be applied at so many different uh, junctures. <clears throat> Nobody needs another step in food plots. So right. it can be mixed in when you put together your grass and weed killer in your sprayer, as you mentioned, using your sprayer. At that point, you can add this product at a gallon and a half per acre at that first time of the year 
you can also if you if you've already done that and you're looking to uh to want to introduce this you can also spray it on your freshly turned dirt before you turn it after you've turned it you can do it after you've seeded after you've packed your food plot it can be applied through the foliar growth of the plant the green vegetation it can be applied on that as a liquid fertilizing application but all of the benefits it will work from the leaf back down through the plant and you will get some soil contact um, with the product it's very dynamic in how it works and what it does in the soil many of us love our brassicas for the fall and winter but we can build up negative bacteria or negative nematodes in the soil. So we need to rotate out of brassicas every three to four years into something else for a season and to start to break that down, that cycle. And that's the... And what would something else be that you, that we would plant? Because we're... Uh, cereal like, grains, uh, clovers. I usually rotate a lot of my annuals into perennials and my perennials back into annuals. I, I take those opportunities um, every three years. Because Kansas, Missouri, we might look at, you know, we've been planting carnage brassicas there for a couple of years and so we you know that might be something that we need to do well what the soil defender does is it actually introduces healthy bacteria that go and and break down gotcha. the bad bacteria so now there is no limitation once you oh, get this oh, regiment okay. going you don't have that restriction any longer I got you. so the other thing that this um the soil defender does is it it's a one ph product so what it does is it it introduces um the the bacterial activity in the soil it also helps to break down phosphorus and magnesium high phosphorus and magnesium the problem that we run into in a lot of the properties we do a lot of soil testing we offer those services is phosphorus is off the charts because as men we figure a little fertilizer is good so more is better right or we don't even know there's another option out there for feeding the food plot right. and the groganics and we keep throwing the synthetic fertilizer and we're not getting the result we want so we keep pouring more fertilizer more 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 and we're driving that phosphorus off the charts and there is not a, uh, an, a good option for us as we're trying to grow food plots. And so, um, and there's not a product out there until now that really breaks down phosphorus and high magnesium in the soils. The soil defender is doing that and it's doing it fairly rapidly. Wow. Um, so that's exciting for me because I run into these properties that have pH. Your property uh, down in Kansas, we've got some pH that's seven, eight, seven, nine. Um, I think I may have saw I may have seen an 8.0 in the most recent um, soil sample soil yeah. sample on, and uh, I'll have to look at that again but but anyway when you get above 7.5 and you're no longer acidic you're alkaline that's right. that's harder to grow in than the other way in a lot of ways so it's harder to adjust and bring it back down into a manageable spot right. and so soil defender helps to do that it helps to break that down and, and so you both high and low ph can be you, addressed. you apply that mm -hmm. how long does it take for that to take effect well it'll start and you'll start seeing soil improvements literally within a month okay 30 days roughly okay. in the soil um and so we do we sell a two and a half gallon jug first application is a gallon and a half and then a month or a month and a half later whether we're spraying it over the vegetation that's growing there or we can wait and do it with our if we're doing this in the spring we, when we go to our fall regimen if we're turning the ground back over turning those crops in that have been whatever's left of them um, we can apply it either right over the existing vegetation or in our 
fall application at a gallon per acre. And that's the regiment we do. We do it a gallon and a half in the spring and a gallon in the fall. And that will help maintain our soil health, keeping it where it needs to be. The groganics, complementing that with the groganics because you still need nutrients. You still need to feed the plant. The groganics also can, contains micronutrients, carbon, which feeds the, the bacteria. It contains actual uh, healthy bacteria and a fungi that uh, creeps and crawls through the soil, which is pretty cool how that works. Minerals, organic matter. So we want to continue to build that organic matter because right. that's absorbing. And we're constantly breaking down organic matter every time we turn the soil. So we want to keep replenishing that. And so groganics is not just your three numbers, your 19, 19, 19. It's not just your nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash. It is all those other things I just mentioned right. and your nitrogen, phosphorus, right. and potash. Right. And right. it's an 844. People are like, well, how much of that do I have to put on if it's only an 844? This is triple 19. It's, a, it's a, not about the number it's about the the availability to the plant and those are a natural 844 in our groganics is more readily available and used and less waste or bound up and also groganics does not contain a bunch of salt and synthetic fertilizers are full of salt and you want to mm. kill your microbial activity your bacteria in your soil keep dumping salt on it right. it will kill it sure um, over a period of time so 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 once we put that on then i rolled it basically what 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 are we doing well you worked it in with your drag then we seeded it and then you rolled it right yep and now we're just we sprayed it sprayed it with the soil defender yep then we rolled it and what Mm -hmm. rolling does explain that to people when we roll it so whenever you work up or break up the soil you're bringing moisture from down below up to the surface of the soil or into the 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 root zone of where this new seedling is going to establish its roots which is important but when you leave the soil open, it allows the moisture that you've taken from down below and brought up to be evaporated up into the atmosphere, back up into the clouds. And so what you want to do is you want to pack the soil to keep the moisture in the soil and keep it from being evaporated and keep it available for that newly germinating uh, seedling. I think I've always thought that we're just pushing the seed down deeper. <laughs> well, we are in some cases setting the seed. Yeah. Um, we're in... In our smaller seeds, our clovers, our chicories, our brassicas, some of those small seed species, we want to roll seed and re-roll because we're just literally looking to dent. So you are correct. On some of our larger seeds, we are uh, dragging them after we broadcast and then we're packing. But that packing is can be setting the seed, but it's securing and locking the oxygen that we've turned into the soil to keep it there. And it's also locking the moisture in the soil so we don't lose it all to the atmosphere. Wow. It will increase germination considerably. You'll notice a 40, maybe even 50% increase in germination by packing or packing okay. or rolling. You don't need a call to packer and use a yard roller. Call to packer usually has some kind of corrugated right. uh, wheels on it, which allows it to, um, to establish and flatten where a yard roller a lot of times rides off the high points in the soil so it's not as efficient but um again guys don't add you know don't fill your tank all the way up and have it too heavy because you don't want to over pack the top of the soil you want to go over and just tamp it down but you don't want it to be you don't want to drive a bulldozer over it to pack it down kind of thing and create compaction issues either so yep what do you expect if we can get some moisture Mm -hmm. i mean Next week, in a month, 
by September when we're going to be hunting over it. What do you expect to see? If we get humid conditions, maybe a little bit of a sprinkle with some humid conditions, uh, literally. We're, no, we're not going to. Yeah, well. Not out here. But we will get a sprinkle. But what I saw For this sure. morning was 48 degrees, uh-huh. and we had almost what 80 almost 90 degree temperatures that fluctuation can create dew in the morning okay um we did have a brief sprinkle we saw some clouds that we were were all trying to do the rain dance dance. but it kind of dissipated we danced it right away um but even dew in the morning and humidity in the air and you know those type of things it's quite dry out here so humidity is not as uh common i guess in colorado but in some of the midwestern states just humidity we can get 24 to 48 hour germination out of killer food plots otherwise i'm i'm anticipating a couple weeks um without any significant moisture for sure deep woods and um white rage are going to be the first two to pop because they are so viable um, but I expect Carnage Brassicas to only be a day or two behind that, the, you know, those uh, seed varieties as far as germination goes. Now, will we have to fight some grass? I mean, not that we're going to come back in do anything because... I guess it depends. Ooh, sorry, that was a big yawn. It's, 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 been, it's, a long it's co- been a long, long couple few days. days. Yep. Um, because we are four or five hours from the house it's not like i can run back up here and 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 spray over um so what what do we do as far as that if we get some grass back will we have the kind of push from the other plants that can they can fend that off uh for the most part you're not going to do a whole lot of things if you get uh generally speaking the month of july is depending on where i am in the country we don't plant the middle of july uh, we try to wait till the end of July, the last week, um, or we try to be in the planting the last, you know, by 4th of July. And why is that? Because Mother Nature produces more grass and weed species in the middle part of the month of July than any other time of the year. So we planted in the middle of July. We Because we had to. Because it was the only time we, your and my schedule Schedule worked. Yeah. Because here, we're getting towards the end of it. Yep. So we're almost in that window. And of course. And Q sprayed everything. So it was either dead or in the process of dying. And it had been on for, you know, five, six days. So, I mean, honestly, I don't anticipate a huge problem with that. Um, with grass and weeds but if we do get some grass there we can certainly uh spray grass killer and not kill the turnips rape and radishes the sugar beets deep woods would be the one that i'd be a little yeah. worried with the cereal grains you can smoke the cereal yeah, grains right, yeah. right off with uh right. with spraying some type of grass killer but um the big thing that you can do is you can mow and if you break the cycle of grass and weeds and it will allow, just give the killer food plots the opportunity. They will uh, rise above that and outgrow the grass and weeds in most cases. Plus they're annuals. Right. So Mother Nature is going to go through the cycle of grass and weeds, but then that's just going to end. And we're going to go into you know fall, and that's going to dissipate, and you're not going to have. So if you did have grass, for instance, and you sprayed it, you're going to get ahead of that. If you had some broadleaf or some type of a weed, as long as you don't allow it to create 10,000 more of itself per pod on the plant by mowing it or knocking it down with a weed whacker or some other form uh, to cut the seed head off, eventually that's just going to die and, and go away. So what, what, what are we looking for for next year? So if let's assume that this... The right equipment? Yeah. <laughs> but will we, will we do the same thing next year? Um. 
Will we try and come back in here, mow it, spray it, work the soil again, do the same thing, even in me? Yeah, we'll definitely have the right equipment, but <laughs> will we redo that or will we come in and try and no-till or, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know, seed drill, it. seed drill it or something like that? Would that be the next logical step? Well, I don't think we're done building the soil. Okay. So, um, you know, on the seed drill side of things, I, I do have a, a really nice seed drill that, you know, I like to do that application. Um, anytime you don't have to work the soil, you can allow the soil building we've done with the the the, uh, the bacteria and the healthy stuff going on in the soil that we mentioned earlier. Allow that to continue to work. Anytime you cut open or break up the soil, you're breaking down organic matter. Um, and the, the whole goal is to build your organic matter up in your soil. But but you can't get retain in unless you break the soil. Correct. But we got that in this year. Right. So that's okay. So we're good but for three years. Because yep. Adam is a big no-till. Mm -hmm. I mean, his property. But in order for him to put retain down, if he wants, were to want to add that too, he would have to break that. Yeah. Well, and the only reason I would want to break the soil up next year is I would want to continue breaking up the sage stumps right. and, roots. and roots and, yeah. and try to get a cleaner seed bed that yeah, then gotcha. we can maintain because of seed drill. I don't want to bust that all up, running it through some of the hard stumps and wood. And it's just, it would, it would do a lot of hopping as well. And um, frankly, that costs a lot of money, so I want to destroy right. it. But, you know, that would be the reason why I'd want to turn the ground. Again, that would allow us to to get some additional oxygen and, and such, um, get that retain mixed around a little bit more because it's still active for another two years, um, get our groganics worked into the ground, and then we would do another uh, soil defender application on the liquid um, in that soil, and we would be in much better shape than this year. What I'm going to see is we're going to have success. Those products are going to produce success. What we did, the amount of effort and time we put in, yeah, we worked a lot harder than maybe we would have had to, but it doesn't matter. We're going to have success. Literally, several of those products could be broadcast right on the surface. We're doing that in the plot further down right. because, as you mentioned, we kind of destroyed the equipment we had to work with on the bigger plot. Luckily, we got that done in the last pass. Um, we finished. On the other one, we're counting on the grass and weeds that were there are dead. There was a lot of open, exposed dirt underneath that. We broadcast directly into um, the, the the dead grass and vegetation, and then we applied groganics with deep woods and carnage. We're going to be able to have success with those just broadcasting them right on the surface. I'm sure of it. So, um, and also we're going to be holding moisture. So for those of you out there that don't have, um, you know, the less than adequate equipment we had this time, you have less than that. Uh, you don't have fifty thousand dollar tractor and all the implements. You don't have to. Literally, if you can get a uh, one gallon pump sprayer and a weed whacker or some way to knock the grass and weeds down once they're dead, you would simply spray the food plot to kill it off, get your grass and weeds dead, broadcast the deep woods, carnage, our lethal winter oats, our crop duster, um, be able to apply those right over the top of grass and weeds, go back in, apply groganics as stage two, can do it out of a, a bag cedar like I had to do on that second plot mm -hmm. today, or a pull behind, hopefully better cedar or uh, spreader than the one we got from TSC. Um, apply that groganics and then take the grass and weeds and knock them down and create like a straw thatch over the seed that would be enough to hold moisture and get germination and get that killer food plots up and going so 
Well, I, I know for one thing, seeing the results of Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, um, it, part of it's us. I think the journey that we're making, understanding the product, understanding uh, uh, you even understanding what we have to work with to be able to give us good input as we make changes. But even bigger than that is, is I think as you work that soil, as you build that soil, it seems like every year we make jumps. Mm-hmm. Um, and and of they've course, been I've, substantial in, in some I, of your properties. I'm going off what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at TV and they have this lush green, I mean, it looks like it's freaking commercially farmed. Mm-hmm. Well, our first year it didn't look like that. But you know what? The deer didn't care. And they came in and hit it. And every year it is looking. I mean, last year, the carnage, I think in that uh, ridgeline plot that we have, it was up to your knees. Or even mid-thigh. Oh, right. I, I mean, it yeah. was just huge. And then, of course, looking at the January, February uh, trail cam pictures, they were just hammering it. Yep. So, well, good. That's... That combined with all the moisture we've had this spring, I mean, we're seeing, I mean, having a good wet year can put five to ten inches on a on a buck just right. in having just right. in having the extra moisture mm-hmm. available because of the uh it stimulates natural food and natural growth and the recovery rate of of the things that they eat naturally um it does supplement and it does help now in this case it did not help the farmers at all so it's going to be very interesting for those of you that compete with uh, with cornfields there are very few cornfields it's crazy it's, uh, yeah it's I horrible mean, I, I, and, know, and it's, so the people are going in and, and doing this short uh short season soybeans yep or cover crops they're right. starting to cut into to the cover crop market is you know starting to cut in and and some of our seed that we are is unsecured that we grow every year we put it in an unsecured situation and and some of it's already been bought up so um yeah, yeah my my secured extra i had to lock down uh just three weeks ago here so that it didn't get bought up i mean their farmers are desperate they're trying to get food to feed their cattle and their livestock and and they're just trying to secure their fields so that they have some substantial uh growth going there so they don't wash out and erosion i have a feeling that if you had a friggin' silo full of corn from last year you're going to be in the chips Mm -hmm. because there's just not going to be much out there yeah yeah be interesting it, it it adds to the mystique it adds to the chess match it adds to all of those things and for me it's been fun learning this journey especially out here out west you don't there's not a big you don't hear about well i had this elk come into my food plot yeah, what well maybe an ag field mm-hmm. but for us to be able to key in on these specific areas that we're we're not looking to feed the whole herd we're just looking to create a change in their travel so that as they go into these primary or these destination areas where there's tons of prime forage we're creating that movement and that is the transition areas where we're going to be hunting absolutely so yeah well fun well it's been a long day you got anything to add garrett I'm just trying to find a way to memorialize the the John Deere. Oh That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> strung out. Do anybody can does anybody play taps on uh on the uh, bagpipes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we that could would do be it appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> to me it looks like some like 
abstract, artistic, oh, like metallurgy imagine a, that you'd see in imagine, some, some guy's yeah, front disc, yard. <laughs> imagine a disc that basically dislocated its arm, its elbow, and its and its other arm and elbow. Yeah. And it's all strung out. It used to be uh, six held foot long, the, eight foot by long. By the uh, very strung out tendon. Yeah. 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 It was it was it was kind of sad for me. I like old farm equipment, and we definitely didn't do that any justice. But well, it was it, broken. You know we, it was broken. We got it. It was no, it was it was broke broken down. But it, it hey, it, we got it done. And the bottom line is, with a will and a way, you can get it done. And food plots don't always have to be this hard. They aren't. They aren't always you know seemingly this big of a mountain to climb. But uh, but there are definitely challenges in food plots. Uh, you know, we try to continually provide products, you know, s the soil defender, the groganics, the retain. I still think mother nature is mad about the retain. So, um, but, uh, you know, always trying to flex her arm the other way and, uh, sick of getting, losing the chess match, uh, not only with the deer, but with her. So we're creating these products that help people have success with minimal amount of work. We don't have a lot of time. We need to make sure our money's going to work for us. And that's what we try to do. So first food plot I ever put in, I used a rake, a weed eater, and I borrowed a hand roller, didn't you, or something? I, I did have a hand roller, but I borrowed a a, a uh, rototiller, oh, a hand-driven hand. rototiller for that <laughs> silo food plot yeah. there. That ha that less than a half acre, probably a third acre. It, and it took us, Adam and I, all. He ran the the weed eater, and um, we sprayed. We let it, you know, sit. And then we came in, I think he, we, we, anyway, and then there I went on the rototiller. That thing beat the fire out of me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, But all do. we were trying to do was turn it, and that was the first year, and it came in pretty good, you know? That's and how then, I started then, 29 years ago. And then using we did a hand roller. My buddy's dad's rototiller. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's come a long way. It has. You know, and again, you know, there's ways to be successful with food plots if those are the tools you have or even less or maybe a few more. But at the end of the day, you know, a soil test is key. Get a soil test. Understand we did soil tests on these. Yeah. So we knew what we needed to add and how we needed to treat the ground. Um, you know, doing that, we can get soil results 24 hours after it comes into our lab. So there's not this weeks and weeks of waiting for your extension. It was or, easy, too. Oh. I literally, we, we got them all. Um, you know, I just went and I took about six or seven samples per plot. from per plot mm -hmm. and then filled out the paperwork. Put them in the it pouch. It, it looked like a, a, a little coffee, like, you know, a little pouch that coffee beans come yep. in. Our new ones are like an oversized Ziploc bag with a, with a pouch. And then I put them, mm -hmm. sent them out and... It, yeah, literally 24 hours I got an email, well, yeah. from when they two, got them. It took about two days to yeah. get there, and then 24 hours later he had the results. So It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Easy. We don't mess around. We don't have time for that. Yeah. You know, Mother Nature's given us what she's given us, and our schedules are what they are. So we're no, we're no different than the listeners out there who are stressed for time and money. And, you know, it's summer. You're off to the cabin or on family vacation, and you're trying to figure out this food plot thing. Um, fall is fall plotting is coming up. Usually we start about August 1st in the upper Midwest, um, sometimes as late as the last week of July. 
but you're going to carry that on through till the Labor Day weekend, uh, maybe a couple weeks past that. I think we're going to have a little bit of extended fall this year. might be a little warm in our tree stands, but it's going to stretch our growing. I hope, no, I just think I we're just not going to have much yeah. summer because I want it in September. I want it to be cold <laughs> because we're going to be hunting. I mean, I don't I just don't want to be sitting or hunting Swatting when it's 85 and, degrees. Yeah, sitting out there in your underwear like you told me the story. Yeah, so. but that was antelope and that was yeah. August. But this uh we're gonna be hunting this uh that first second week of september think second second week of september and so the reason we did it now is again time and constraint but we also wanted some growth Mm -hmm. we wanted to to have uh, a a food source that they were starting to key on and creating those changes in the travel corridors and those three varieties white rage carnage brassicas and deep woods they have a 45 day maturity so 45 days from seed to full growth um you know and they're they're very efficient in the first 30 days so the last you know 15 days um you're going to pick up a few more inches but you should be growing some substantial groceries Mm -hmm. right there by the time you guys roll into hunting camp so excited to see the results yeah it's going to be exciting in both plots one we worked up and we destroyed some equipment turned the ground kind of did it the conventional way and the other we kind of did the poor man food plot where we just broadcast it over the top put the right the right seed and the right fertilizer um you know and the ph over there wasn't too bad so i'm i'm hoping to see some decent results out of that as well cool cool well i think that's time to go to bed it is we've got a early day we got to take take back some equipment and then we're gonna head uh head back to home yep. which for for collins um and uh yeah it's been a great weekend um of of creative thinking outside of the box and and still getting our goals achieved <laughs> adjusting on the fly yeah, yeah, yep. yeah plotting with the percy's yeah it's always an adventure well nick how can people find you um you are uh killer f- killerfoodplots.com so you can go to our website and check that out. Um, you can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram under Killer Bo- Food Plots. Both Killer Food Plots. Yep. And, and we your, have Plotting with the Percy's. Your personal. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's our personal page, blogging Which is page. Fun. You, uh, you and Tracy have been, Tracy's been doing a great job of documenting all of the challenges. Yeah. Which if you go to your Instagram page, especially, you can see you've had challenges. You don't just have challenges with me. No. No, I mean, properties, every property is unique in different situations and equipment breaks, even my high-end tillers. We snapped a tiller main shaft in half last week on a job. Uh, you know, it had nothing to do with the job we were on. It was all the rock gardens we had tilled prior to that for customers. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of hidden treasures and opportunities uh, on particular properties. So, you know, it whether you have the $50,000 tractor and all the toys, it doesn't mean you don't have problems. So you still have to persevere and you still have to work through, you know, those challenges. Well, and if you guys are, who are listening and are thinking, Hey, I'd love to give some input or, or maybe I've got a couple of questions, reach out to Nick. Um, because, uh, you can, you can email him, Nick at, uh, killerfoodplots.com. Nick at at killerfoodplots.com. And, and he'll get back to you. He'll get back to you and, and, and personal information for your uh, specific property. Yep. Um, that's, a, that's a good start. And then you guys see, you know, hey, maybe it's something that you want to have Nick come in and take a look at. Or maybe he can just give you some helpful information. 
and direct you to the products that, that he feels will help you be the most successful. Right, and a soil test really helps yeah. me establish that from the get-go. So yeah. that's we would recommend that. Um, you can also reach out to us. Our uh, phone number, our direct number for Killer Food Plots is 616-550-8483. And again, you can reach out to Nick at Killer Food Plots. You can message us on Facebook. Um, that's those are the three primary and then we have uh, we have a, a point where you can contact us off our website as well which is killerfoodplots.com yeah. so well buddy it's, right. it's always an adventure <laughs> and uh, usually and leaves us exhausted we're not, we're not bloody today though we're so not that's done good. though no we are we've got uh, August first week of August we'll mm -hmm. be getting back together in Kansas and Missouri um, always good to get into that i'm i i haven't been there this summer as much as i normally am so i'm i'm but it is see look at this you know, i just tired man we've been working our butts off we have so well we're gonna check out hey you guys thanks for listening as always god bless go find what stimulates you what makes what sets your heart on fire that wild place or that you know whatever it is that, that gets you Get you going and embrace that. And uh, we will see you guys down the trail. Definitely. Thanks, Trev. You got it, bud.